This is not a frivolous request. This is a serious... I'm a serious... I'm a... I've tried to be a serious man, you know? Life is filled with uncertainty. In our attempt to find some semblance of control and governance over the professional and the personal, we often left helpless, spiraling deeper into the unforgiving grasps of the hands of the universe. Larry Gopnik, the protagonist of A Serious Man, is uncertain. He doesn't lead a life so much that life leads him. He's constantly at the whim of outside forces, never seeming to know what's going on, always surprised by what he perceives as novel, whether it be learning that his wife is leaving him for a man freshly widowed, or the fact that his brother faces charges for solicitation and sodomy, or being placed in the compromising position of either accepting a bribe to raise a student's grade, or being sued by that very same student for defamation. Larry's life plays out tragically. All he could do, helplessly, is be a passenger along for the ride. Move out. Well, it makes eminent sense. Things can't continue, as Move they... out. Where would I go? Well, for instance, the Jolly Roger is quite livable. It's not expensive. The rooms are eminently habitable. This would allow you to visit the kids. There's convenience in its favor. You've got a pool. Wouldn't it make more sense for you to move in with Sai? Harry. Since Larry can't seem to get a handle on his reality or affect it in any meaningful way, he results to attempting to understand it. It's his connection to his faith, his Jewish faith for that matter, that leads him down the path to seeking answers, explanations for the cruelty of his circumstances. But rabbi after rabbi don't offer much in the way of clarity. The junior rabbi, wet behind the ears with little experience to his name, offers Larry to change his perspective. When you fail to see God in the world around you, it's your responsibility to reorient yourself. God's will, after all, is a blessing. I too have had the feeling of losing track of Hashem, which is the problem here. I too have forgotten how to see him in the world, and when that happens, you think, well, if I can't see him, he isn't there. He's gone. But that's not the case. You just need to remember how to see him. Am I right? I mean... The second rabbi attempts to answer Larry's questions concerning how God speaks to us through the story about the message found by a dentist in the Goy's teeth, Goy meaning a non-Jew. This message engraved in his bottom row of teeth, translating to, help me, save me, is left with no further explanation. No understanding of how it got there or who put it there. Is it a sign for the dentist or a sign for the Goy or a desperate plea for help? No one can know. But it's stuff like this that adds credence to religious dogma that claims God works in mysterious ways. Mysterious, possibly incongruous ways. Above our own understanding. But at the center of this parable is this idea that whilst searching for answers, we find and make connections to things without any certainty that those connections are actually there. In our frivolous attempt to know everything, leaving no stone unturned, uncovering hidden mystery after hidden mystery, we come closer to the realization that we effectively don't know anything. God, the universe, whatever, doesn't seem so keen to tell us where things are headed, or where the lines between signs and blessings, and the sheer randomness and probability, meet. These questions that are, that are bothering you, Larry, maybe they're like a toothache. Feel them for a while, then they go away. I don't want it to just go away. I want an answer. Sure, we all want the answer. Hashem doesn't owe us the answer, Larry. Hashem doesn't owe us anything. The obligation runs the other way. Why does he make us feel the questions if he's not going to give us any answers? 
He hasn't told me. It's this futility of the search that reveals something made so abundantly clear to me. The human condition is hallmarked by attempting to desperately find meaning. Life's too long and complex and harsh and dark and good and fulfilling and just weird to not want to assign some sort of method to its madness. But the attempt itself uncovers something deeper about life and its paradoxes. P squared, which also equals the square root of H over A squared, which lets us delta X, delta P equals the square root of 0.077 A squared, H over A squared, and 1.74 H bar, okay? The uncertainty principle. It proves we can't ever really know what's going on. But even though you can't figure anything out, you will be responsible for it on the midterm. The paradox at the center of Larry Gopnik's being is more than apparent. A man who teaches physics but professes to not truly understand it, only the mathematical principles. Larry understands the obvious, the structural things that occur to him, the what of what's going on. But he doesn't understand what is going on. How could this happen? What makes you feel that way? Why does everything happen to me? He constantly questions the nature of his reality, not because he doesn't know what's occurring in a literal sense, but because he's actually incredibly imperceptive, unable to connect the dots that lie a level too deep beneath the surface. He lacks the ability to realize what's going on right under his nose, that his wife is unhappy in their marriage, that his brother is a debaucherous gambler, that his kid is high at his bar mitzvah. Because of him lacking this ability, he's a joke, essentially. His life is a joke, which makes his deliberate attempts to become a serious man, a respected man, in the eyes of his ex-wife, or his family, or his rabbi, or God, whilst failing miserably, reach peak levels of hilarity and peak levels of tragedy simultaneously. Well, um, as you know, the, uh, the tenure committee meets on Wednesday to make its final determination, so... Harlan, I am not an evil man. No, no, Larry, no, of course not. I... I'm not... No, we, we don't make moral judgments. I went to the Aster Art once. I saw Swedish reverie. No, no, it's okay. No, we, 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 don't, we don't need to it know. It wasn't the, the even erotic. Although, it was, in a way. It's, it's all right, really. Larry, believe me. Yeah, okay. 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 Um... And I think that marriage of tragedy and comedy is the most important union at the center of this film. Tragedies aim at arousing and then purging emotions like pity or fear. Comedies conventionally seek to provide lighthearted levity and joy to an audience seeking escape. A serious man doesn't need to choose. It understands that life is both beset by misery or by comfort, oftentimes both. Oftentimes at the same time. To an imperceptive man, an unexpected divorce to a woman who then in turn marries a recent widower is the definition of tragic. But for us, it's also funny. Maybe it has something to do with the voyeuristic nature of the medium. So much talk of movies is about the experience, how the walls of the story and world disappear around you, how you feel as though the events and emotions of the characters on screen are actually happening to you. But they aren't. For 106 minutes the running time of a serious man. We are passengers, unable to affect the circumstances of Larry and his life. We have to watch what ensues. When it's our own life, we could take the punches as they come, 
speaking highly of our levels of resilience or succumbing to the weight of a problem much too vast for our capabilities. But in the life of another, especially a fictional other, we can't help but have fun. We spend so much time dealing with the struggle and torment of our own lives that escapism in this fashion becomes so desirable. And I think if we started making connections, trying to find goodness in a sea of bad circumstances, we could lead a fuller, more productive life. It's just incredibly difficult. Life, after all, is uncertain and uncomfortable. We'd rather have Larry Gopnik live through life's peaks and valleys for us. So in those moments of levity, when a comedic audience can't help but resort to laughter, finding humor in that which can be harrowing, it takes a tragic hero to retort back, What's so funny? Mind Theater is a sole effort produced and written by me, Ao Akingbade. To subscribe, look for Mind Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. Something is very wrong. I don't want Santana Abraxas. I've just been in a terrible auto accident.